Brad, did I ever tell you about the one and only foray into a Hollywood career that I had? You had a foray? I, I have not heard about any forays. There's been no forays mentioned. There's been no foray discussion? Well, in construction, no. a foray is the room. It's sort of the ante room when you first walk into a house. That's a foray. Uh, That's so, a foray. Oh, a You're foray thinking you a June foray. <laughs> <laughs> so my wife my wife is running one day at a time. She's show running one day at a time. She's the head writer and the showrunner on one day at a time. And one time she yeah. goes, hey, do you want to be on the show? And I go, because she and I used to do improv comedy together. We used to do uh, sketch comedy together. We did stand-up together. So, yeah. uh, and we, a bunch of plays we did together around L.A. and in New York and Miami. And so um, she knows that I, I, I'm a ham. And especially among all of our actors' friends, I'm a ham. And so she's like, do you want to be on one of the episodes? And I go, sure, yeah, I'll, I'll be on one of the episodes. And uh, the day of the shoot, Brad, I am so nervous. I'm not normally a guy huh. that gets, you've seen me with public speaking. I'm, I'm pretty yeah. naturally uh, comfortable, easygoing. I'm yes. happy, to, happy to do it. Uh, you know, the, the old joke is, uh, you know, people would rather be uh, in the coffin than speaking at a funeral, you know, that right, kind of thing right. with public speaking. I, uh, I'm totally comfortable public speaking. However, you get me in front of these cameras, there's three cameras aiming at me. There's yeah. about 40 union people all looking at me as I'm on stage. And I'm just flop sweating, getting so nervous. And so I'm backstage. And not only are the cast my friends, but it just so happens that that episode, two other friends of mine, of ours, were on that same episode, right? And so they're backstage oh, no. and they're going, oh, you're nervous? And I go, yeah. And I go, oh. that, they, they're oh. like, that seems so unlike you to be nervous. I'm like, yeah, I just, I don't want to let down glow and uh, all these cameras and all the, all the lights. And uh, I'm just nervous. And they're like, they go, how many lines do you have? And I go, oh, none, I'm just a walk-on. And the look on their face, Brad, the judgment on these actors and actresses, as I said, I'm nervous and I don't have any lines. You, they went from so concerned to being like, you piece of shit. You're nervous over having to do a walk-on? Like, that's literally what you're nervous about? I was, so, was flop-sweating. Oh, I remember that scene. I, the, the scene was literally, she opens the door, she sees you, and she slams the door. That was it. That was literally it. it. Yeah, You were just, I, I you were just to be there the so door, that yeah. it wasn't an empty doorway. You were just, a, they could have put a stand-up of, 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 you know, anybody from that they got at Spencer Gift. They could have put a cardboard stand-up there and slammed the door on that. It would have been the same scene. What were you nervous about? Put a, put a hat on a mop and you could have been Dave Kellett in that scene. <laughs> exactly. But. Brad, the the look of of a 180 from sweet concern from fellow actors who are like, I remember my first time delivering a line on television, to going like, you son of a bitch, what are you nervous about? You literally have to walk out, walk back off again. Oh, God. Well, see, see if you can deliver your next line. <laughs> and on that note, from a, from a not at all nervous uh, Dave Kelly, I'm going to say hello, everybody, and welcome to Comic Lab, the show about making comics. You almost screwed that one up, too. And making a living from comics. I'm Brad Geiger, the author of the Web Comics Handbook and the creator of Evil Inc. And I'm his concerned friend, Dave Kellen, a cartoonist of Drive and Sheldon and co-director of Strip. In this week's hour of comics, advice is made possible by your support at Pay. Do you think Je do you think Gloria would ever need like another walk on sometime? She would have you on a show. Absolutely. Yes, oh, absolutely. Would, if you want, if you're in L.A. and she's shooting, yes, absolutely. Oh, OK, uh, possible, <laughs> possible by your support at patreon.com slash comic lab. So Dave, Dave. Let's talk comics. Let's talk comics, my friend. And a reminder that this show is going out live to our live gab pals over at patreon.com slash comic lab. You can join us for the live stream every week. I'm giving them a wave right now. And there is a concurrent chat off to the side. And we answer questions before, during and after the show for those pals uh, as a little extra bonus. And so, Brad, what is our first question for this week, my friend? This one comes in from our Patreon backer, Lisa, who says, on Pro Tips number 198, when you guys were talking about media mail, Brad threw out the statement, quote, on another day, we can get into what the heck are you thinking when you're printing a floppy, unquote. That put my ears up because I was just thinking about doing exactly that. <laughs> I recently finished my first comic. It's small, only 100. It's only 16 pages, including the covers. And this is my learning how to do everything comic. So I'm stumbling through all the steps from creation to publication, including web posting, Kickstarter, and printing a small floppy. 
I'm under no illusion that I will have a successful Kickstarter as I have no crowds to fund me yet. But I was going to go through all the motions to at least get familiar with the territory. So first, why do you not recommend printing floppies? And second, if this uh, if this small floppy idea is not so great, what other things should I be doing with this comic? So, Dave, let's talk floppies. Let's talk floppies, my friend. Uh, so uh, the the answer with this is is actually you're on the right path. Um, I, I think you were you were reading into our, our bigger advice for floppies, which is, yeah, don't walk down that path permanently. But you're in the right mindset that this is your learning comic and you're cutting mm-hmm. your teeth on learning how to set up files, learning how to do layout, learning how to do InDesign, learning how to export InDesign for a printer, learning how to interact with a printer and make requests and and, and how much the, you know, get a quote, uh, invoice, do the payments, uh, take receipt of the books, all that sort of stuff. So yes, you're right. This is your cutting your teeth project. And that's exactly what a floppy should be. And so I think, I I don't want to speak for Brad, but I think both Brad and I would say that that is the right way to view a floppy, especially for a story that's 16 pages or 30 pages that's the right that's the right way to look at this bigger picture we have always advised against floppies because uh, the crass side of this is there's just no money in that game uh that a floppy the the cost of goods sold versus what you can charge um versus how they store i.e how much damage they're going to take over the next five Mm -hmm. years as you store them uh you know water damage air damage crinkle damage um, so that has to be factored into your cost. It just as a return, it's not a viable way to make a career happen with floppies, but it's a great, great way to cut your teeth. I think. Yeah. It's ironic. We started out the show with Dave's flop sweat, and now we've given our poor listener an inadvertent case of floppy sweat, but <laughs> Dave has it exactly right. Uh, we were talking kind of long-term, uh, if you're for, for a first time project, absolutely. The cost benefit analysis for this is not going to work out doing it, uh, over, over a long term. And listen, you, you said that you don't think the Kickstarter would fund. If that happens, whatever you do, do not go out of pocket for this floppy for exactly that reason. Yep. It's even worse in in that case, because your costs are going to be way up there and and uh, your return is going to be even smaller. Uh, it, it's, it's just not a great idea. Certainly, it's not something I'd want to see somebody doing on a regular basis, like month after month or every other month. Uh, just there's there's not a whole lot of there there uh, to to be worth your time and in terms of what else should be do you be doing? In other words, if not a floppy, what? You hold on to that as uh, something you can add on to a larger uh, graphic novel or a larger print collection at some point. That now becomes the uh, special add-on. Hey, you know, something that I haven't shared or hasn't been on the web for a while or you may not be aware of it. Here's this 16-page comic that I did once upon a time. You Mm -hmm. hold that in your back pocket for a little extra content, a little little something special you can add that kind of stuff is always good for that. You don't, you're never wasting time. You're never wasting effort. There's always an uh, ancillary use for some of this stuff. So if you end up not doing the the floppy, either because we talked you out of it or the Kickstarter didn't fund or any number of other reasons, hold on to that. Uh, you can always use it for something. And you know what? I might uh, offer a slightly different opinion than Brad in terms of uh, the, your Kickstarter didn't go I there is a tiny part of me that sees that you still might want to do a small, 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 small run of floppies just because you want to have that personal tent pole of like, I did this thing. This is this is my reward to myself. And so if you've got a job, a day job that's paying the bills and you've got a little extra scratch and you want to do it for yourself, I just I guess what I'm saying is I understand. I don't necessarily recommend it. I do think like Brad, it's kind of never going to return for you financially. But I I understand sometimes we need those emotional uh, markers Mm -hmm. in our career to be like, I did this thing. And now I, and also you might be like, I want to learn on a, a low cost, low risk project so that when I do do my first soft cover book, you know, a perfect bound soft cover book, uh, that's not going to bankrupt me. You know what I mean? I will have, I will have taken my lumps on this really financially low risk project and and applied it to my next one and so let's talk about that actually uh, i do think that you want to start planning 
for your mm-hmm. first genuinely income uh, uh, bearing project, which would be a, your first soft cover. Um, soft covers can be as small as 90 to 110 pages or so. They start getting about perceived value around 150 pages, about around mm-hmm. where most people are like, that seems like a good soft cover. Um, you, the char- what you're able to charge for a soft cover is significantly higher. Um, and in some respects, people view soft cover uh, with, uh, you know, as prices as high as 30 bucks and don't blanch at it. So um, when you have something like 150 pages, when you, and that's probably a couple of years from now, but the good news is you've also been building your audience online so that when you do go to kickstart it, like Brad said, you're having your crowd help pay for it. And, and then you've got the extra stock to continue to sell. But um, yeah. Brad, I know you have a lot of thoughts on this though. Well, uh, one thing just to put a cap on it is, is we are, uh, very traditionally down on print on demand for, for basically the same reasons you've got such a low profit margin on uh, print on demand. Sure. But if you do need that emotional copy that Dave was talking about, right? The Kickstarter didn't go, uh, but you need something for that emotional tent pole. That's also uh, a perfectly good time to go print on demand as kind of a, uh, just to see what it looks like in physical space, yeah. uh, it, how to see it looks like in print and so forth. I, I get that too. I, I, we all need those little moments of, of achievement. And this is one of the few times that I would be uh pro print on demand is for exactly that. Again, the point of all of this is to move away from those things as quickly as possible so that you can start to generate uh, a sustainable profit. But, but again, for that, for that tent pole comic that you need, uh, if you need that for your heart, uh, that's, that's also kind of a print on demand. And I, I should say that I think in the future, it would probably be a good idea for me to get out my, um, requests for quotes from printers and on a pro tips of comic lab literally go through it might sound a little boring for some people so they'll skip that pro tip but for the people that are thinking Mm -hmm. about doing their first book i think it would be helpful for brad and i to literally go point by point here's what you want to request in terms of paper stock here's the type of perfect binding you want or are you doing a hardcover here's the kind of binding you want here's what because i think um i remember how nervous i was that first time i did it I just wanted someone to say, like, am I doing it wrong? Am I asking for the wrong things? Yeah. Is does my is my quote missing some key thing that'll save me a thousand dollars? Like, what what can yeah. I do? And so I think uh, look for that in the coming months that Brad and I will do a pro tips that's exclusively about going out for your book quotes and the list of things that you want to mention for that book quote. Plus, there's all kinds of terminology that yep. comes into that that you're not probably not going to be familiar with, right? There's a lot of terms and stuff. So that's actually a a really good idea. We'll just go through, I'll pull up a couple of mine at the same time and we'll go down and just talk about what these terms mean, what you should be looking at. If, if for, for example, just off the top of my head, Dave, when I first saw that my, uh, that my pages were going to be, for example, four slash zero or four slash four. What does that mean? You could be four slash zero, four slash one, zero slash zero although that would if well, you're yeah, doing you a could book do like that blankets it it's four slash two or something yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so so what do that mean we'll we'll talk about all of that in an upcoming pro tips yeah that's great those are the exact things when i got started that i was like i have no idea what this means what the hell does this mean i don't know what any of this yeah. means and and the fact that even within the the two or three standard types of book binding there are options there that you don't know. Uh, phrases like French flaps. I was like, I don't know what the hell a French flap is. What's a French flap? Uh, that, to me, that sounds like something I need to blush about. I don't know what I don't know what a French flap is. So anyway, all right, I'll jump us into our next question over at patreon.com slash comic lab. And this question comes in from Steph. Steph writes, what are your thoughts on wholesome comics? Is there room for both gag and wholesome comics within the same title or should I choose one and ditch the other? So here's the context. I mostly like to draw funny, silly three to four gag panel comics uh, or excuse me, three to four panel gag comics, but will occasionally draw what's been described to me as wholesome comics using the same characters, which seems to get the same level of engagement and reach a slightly different audience. But will one audience be put off by the other type 
and vice versa. And then uh, Steph concludes, thanks your tips specifically on writing and building up tension to the punchline and B, ditching the first draft panel have been incredibly helpful. And most importantly, your podcasts always make me smile. Thank you, Steph. That's awesome. I appreciate that. And Brad, this is a really, really good question about wholesome comics. Yeah. And then more broadly speaking, humor comics inhabiting the same character world. And can that work? Yeah. I think it can. I think it absolutely can. Uh, The only, uh, in fact, I think it's just almost a a straight yes. The only time I could think of it not working is if you have characters that are established as being a certain type of character that would never deliver a wholesome line where it doesn't ring true to the audience. And it's like, what are you, what are you doing here? Are you pandering to me? What's going on? That would be the only time I could think it not working, but really uh, delving into that wholesomeness and delivering something that is not necessarily a punchline so much as it's a feel good moment. uh, I I think I well, listen, I, I think you've already proven it to yourself in the response that you're getting that it's it's perfectly fine that that is that it's not a big deal is one audience going to be turned off by the other uh i i i i can't see that happening and i can't see it happening to such a great degree that it would ever hurt you for example uh one of those fictional audience members saying oh i'm not going to buy this book cuz it's got 30% wholesome content and i don't like that 30% i i don't i don't foresee that happening i don't i and it would have to be much more visceral than gag and wholesome. It would like it, if you every if every sixth comic uh, you went into something that was like blood and gore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was just such a such a swerve away from what you were doing. All right. Now we got to you know, pump the brakes and, and think about what we're doing here. But but going back and forth between humor and wholesome, I think that's fair game. What do you think? Yeah, Dave? I think if I look at my body of work on Drive or Brad's work on Evil Inc., I don't think this applies there. But I will say with Sheldon, I have swung pretty heavily between oh, yeah. really, really wholesome, sweet stuff. That's almost like a, an old 1970s Love Is comic. To very yeah. acerbic, very vinegar humor that's like, I'm going to take down the world with today's cartoon kind of thing. So uh, I, I think even if you do it right, like Brad said, without too big a swing from uh, from a certain type of R rating or, or NSFW to wholesome, I think you can even do it within the same comic world. Uh, if you if yeah. you play your cards right. But I also have seen it, by the way, where people do subsections of their website or slightly different styles of the same comic. Yeah. Um, and one is definitely the more wholesome, sweeter version. And the other one is uh, the more general audience one. So I can see it working both ways. And like Brad, I think we just have to be careful of, um, I guess for lack of a better phrase, emotional swings where it's like, oh, now I'm doing yeah. blood and gore, a werewolf horror comics. Ah, and here's a wholesome one. And now we're doing, uh, yeah. you know, a, a Dracula historical terrorizing and ah, back to wholesome. And you're like, oh, what's, what's going yeah. on here? So basically, if the, if the whipsaw is not too big, humor is actually somewhat close to wholesome in a way, in the sense that both are trying to provide you with comfort that life is OK and so yeah, humor and wholesome true. can live together. But I agree with Brad that sometimes humor or sorry, wholesome and, and horror don't necessarily work together. Uh, NSFW and wholesome don't necessarily work together, depending on the audience that you're trying to reach. So you just got to be careful about how big the swing is. Yeah, I mean, Dave, talk, I, 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 I don't have a whole lot to dip back into when it comes to this uh, topic of wholesomeness, because I do it very every now and again, I get accused of being wholesome. I'm, and, and I'm like, really? <laughs> you're thinking you think that's wholesome. That's great. I, I appreciate it. But I don't see a whole lot of my stuff being categorized that way but i want to i just just give me just talk about for a second as we wrap this topic up uh about the reaction you got it was a it was basically a poem if i remember right uh where the theme was just be kind right oh yeah and it was it it was a and it was i am i remembering right that it was a poem and it it kind of was uh, i if i if i remember right you did like a poster uh along these lines and stuff like that you got a really great response for something that really didn't have a punchline it was more of it, it fell more along the lines of inspirational yeah it was it was essentially an entire comic that was uh basically saying listen go through life understanding that everyone else is walking a hard path 
and that you yeah. are not alone in this. And so all, all the more reason to be kind. Right. And nothing, nothing truly earth shattering in terms of message, but hot damn, did it resonate? And no one yeah. had any uh, any qualms about it. The fact that the day before I was joking about, you know, Radagast and, and puppies and the day afterward, I was joking about Transformers or something stupid. And yeah. in the midst of it was this super wholesome comic uh, because we all contain multitudes is another way to look at it. Yeah. And we all contain yeah. both humor sides of us and wholesome sides of us where we just need to be hugged or we, and sometimes a comic can just be a cartoon form of a hug and that's okay. Um, so uh, anyway, yeah, to, to, to bring it up, Brad's point there, I, some of my most successful comics of all time have been my wholesome ones. Um, yeah. And uh, they're just nice to do on the heart. So that's good. So anyway, but finishing this off, if, if it's bringing you joy to do wholesome and it's bringing you joy to do humor, then what a great one two punch you're you've just you've gotten two things that are that are lifting your heart up and lifting your audience's heart up making you happier yeah. as an artist and keeping you working i say yeah just find a the best way to swim through those two waters and you can keep them both going dave this would be a great time to have any updates that you might have uh, over there on, on your side of the screen. <laughs> well, we got two uh, San Diego Comic-Con related updates. Uh, and so I'm going to throw these out there real quick. One is it is Eisner Award season. And so for everyone who is uh, working in the biz, I would suggest put your name in the hat. Uh, Brad and I have talked about the Eisner Awards in the past, but there is nothing wrong uh, uh, for you throwing your hat in the ring on the Eisner Awards. So you're going to want to go over to yeah. comiccon.org slash awards slash Eisner dash awards dash current info. Anyway, the better thing to do is to just Google Eisner Awards Comic-Con, uh, you know, call, yeah. uh, call for open entries. And uh, as is always the case, the Eisners have not updated their categories since 1942 so there's still no short form webcomic there's still no easy way to submit a couple different versions of what we do as cartoonists working online in the digital sphere not to mention there's no uh no category for comics podcast uh, Dave. No, no, no there's not. Oh, Brad, seems, why did you, seems, why did you get me like, on that? Seems like there ought to be. No, it seems like there ought to be. It's, uh, it's not like it's a new thing, a, a comic podcast. There's, there's, there's a few people doing comic podcasts. Oh, look at his face. You're genuinely angry about it. This is great. I, I'm a little bit miffed. I'm a little bit miffed. Yeah, uh, well, they no, have uh, comics journalism, and you would think that a podcast could fall broadly speaking under the the you know the rubric of journalism, but it does not. Yeah. So anyway, uh, look through the categories, see what you can shoehorn your work into, because sometimes digital online work doesn't have a place to be shoehorned in on the on the Eisners. Um, and then uh, you'll want to listen back to our episode where we got personalized. Uh, advice from Jackie Estrada, the administrator of the Eisners, on how and what and common mistakes to avoid in submitting to the Eisners. And that is that. Yeah. Good luck when you submit. Second update for this week uh, is that uh, if you are going to Comic-Con, if you are hoping to do a talk, a panel talk, this is kind of the month that you want to do it over the next uh, four to five weeks. Uh, you're going to want to reach out to Comic-Con, uh, the panel talk folks, and submit your idea. Usually that's a title, a pithy title, and a, a two to three sentence uh, description. They, I have to say, historically have been pretty welcoming for all sorts of topics and all sorts of people at all stages of your career. So it, you don't necessarily have to be Jim Lee to get a panel at Comic-Con. Um, if right. the topic is interesting or you have a potentially good panel that you can put together, I would highly recommend it. So that's another thing to keep on your radar. Hey, if you're listening while you work, take a minute to stand and stretch. And while you're doing that, we're going to tell you why you should join us on Patreon. When you do, you're going to get hours and hours of podcasts that we've recorded just for backers. And exclusive Patreon posts that go even deeper on Comic Lab topics. And access to our exclusive Discord server, which is a thriving community of professional cartoonists. So you can support the show you love and get tons of actionable resources for your own cartooning. And listen, if you can't swing a pledge this month, we get it. No worries. Yeah, yeah, listen, you can still support the show by rating us wherever you get your podcasts. Just leave a five-star review and a few kind words. That, along with mentions on social media, is incredibly helpful. Now, everybody, let's talk comics. Well, Dave, we've got another question from one of our Patreon backers, and this one comes in from Garth, who says... 
So here's one to spark some debate. House ads. Top of the page? Bottom? Your site designs suggest a preference, but I'm curious as to thoughts behind those preferences. As always, thanks for the insight. So we've talked about using house ads on your website. And if you're not familiar with what that is, uh, we none, I don't think any of us run uh, uh, advertising, advertising. Like the the, the the advertising market is cratered out a long time ago. Not a lot of ma- m- people making money from ads. But that, my opinion, has always been that doesn't mean that that space on your website is la- lacking value. The value is still there. It's just that the ad ad, advertisers are not paying that value. Uh, So we suggest using house ads. And that's an old, I think that's an old newspaper term uh, that I pulled up. And what it means is you're advertising your own stuff. That might be an advertisement for your Patreon or an advertisement for a book that you're uh, selling or an advertisement for a Kickstarter. Uh, uh, There's a lot of places traditionally that we put ads And I'm a big fan of continuing to use that space. Uh, But for instead of advertising networks, I like to put house ads there. Garth is asking, where do you put them and why? And Dave, why don't we uh, why don't we start the debate? It sounds like we're going to disagree about this, according to what Garth is saying. So uh, let's see if we (laughs) let's see if he's right. Fight, fight, fight. So um, I recently redesigned my um, drive page and I'm in the process of redesigning my Sheldon page. And both of them will have this uh, sort of design ethos. So it's, I'm just going to talk about it as though both Sheldon and drive have this, uh, which is that on both websites, it will be comic first. You came for the comic. I'm trying to give you the comic. You want to find the comic easily. I put the comic up front and center right at the top. Uh, and so that you don't have to hunt around for it. I always, I personally always disliked the Penny Arcade model that you had to click the text to get yeah. to the comic or that worked for a, a second in the ad world because it do, it literally doubled your page views mm-hmm. just by having that model. I never liked it though um, from a, from a reader and user standpoint. So I always make it top front and center. And then I run my house ads uh, sort of South of my comic below the, really below the fold if you want to look uh, use a newspaper turn yeah uh, you'd have to scroll down one or two scrolls from the comic to get to the house ads and like brad said i use them to do books i use them to do appearances uh my mailing list uh other things that are uh, possible with patreon and so anything that you do or want to sell or want to promote or want to uh talk about with your appearances that's what the house ads but brad i put mine below what do you do for your stuff I guess we are going to fight a little bit because I put mine above. And uh, for me, it's it's really funny to hear you go through your thought process on that because I started with the same thought process and came out a, another direction. I okay. put mine above mainly. Now, if you go to evilink.com, uh, there, there, there's not <laughs> my house ads are huge. Uh, and originally I, when I redesigned the site, uh, Patreon was such a huge part of what I was doing that I really wanted to emphasize that. I'm not yeah. sure if I were to do it again, or uh, I'm not sure I'm not going to uh, make that smaller at some point. I'm not sure uh, that I didn't go a little bit too big and I don't, and I'm almost positive. I would not suggest uh, a garden variety web cartoonist to go as big as I went uh, I would throttle it back just a little bit, not not down to the size of a traditional banner ad. And for reasons that I'll go back and explain. Uh, but uh, but I went to the same place you did. People come for the comics, so they'll scroll for the comic at least a little bit. They won't scroll right. much, but they'll scroll a little bit. So I tried to have that first screen view set up in such a way that on a, on your typical first screen, and remember, with a lot of different monitors, it's really impossible to, to you know, get this 100%. But with your typical first screen view on evil-inc.com, you see just the top of the comic, right? You see the big house ad, and at the bottom, you see the top of the comic peeking up there. So it immediately says, uh, just scroll down a little bit, and you'll see the comic, right? But you'll, you're, you're going to see the house ad along the way but you will see the comic. And my thought was uh, they came for the comic. They'll, they'll scroll uh, a little, little bit for, for the comic. Uh, That's, that was my thought. And, uh, but at at the same time, I had that same reaction that you did to the Penny Arcade approach. Uh, That was very successful for many years. 
And so I had, uh, I, in fact, it's still there. I've got a special page set up that is basically everything that you see on the typical homepage of Evil Inc., except the ad. And what I was thinking about is for longtime readers, once they're kind of indoctrinated, they know about Patreon and all that stuff, they could bookmark that uh, page and skip the ad. They would just, they would go right to the site. They'd see the first comic or the most recent comic rather, and they would skip the ad. The problem that I found with that was that it's a really difficult concept to explain gracefully. (laughs) <laughs> right. It's it's yeah. kind of tough to narrow that down into like two words that you can put into a button. Uh, yeah. You'll be slightly less annoyed, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit weird. So uh so yeah, I uh I I I like the house ad at the top. Uh it, I, I I I told you I would circle back around to this. I don't make it typical banner ad sized because Going back to years and years worth of website design, we do have something called banner blindness, where people are so used to advertisements in that spot that they typically scroll right past it, right? And they're blind to that banner, uh, which is why I made mine bigger. Again, if you go to Evil Inc., it's impossible to uh, ignore that. It's going to smack you right in the face, and that's what I wanted it to do. Uh, so I like having it above the comic. I also like having a little outreach on just under the comic. I've got a, a column that goes to the left uh, of the site. And so under the comic, there's a li- great little place to put some outreach uh, there. And also don't forget if you're doing kind of a standard website setup, you're typically going to have a little blog space underneath that comic uh, not many of us are blogging uh, per se uh, in terms of like, hey, uh, let me tell you my thoughts about what's going on in the Mideast today, blah, blah. You know, like we it kind of used to be the case where you had to do that in the early 2000s. Uh, I'll use that for even more outreach. A lot more right. often than not, what's going on in that blog is uh, uh, here's what's going on uh, with Comic Lab this week. Here's a podcast you can listen to. I might be promoing webcomics.com. I might be talking about Patreon again. I might be talking about mm-hmm. the Kickstarter, all of that stuff. Uh, so it, the bottom line is there's a lot of places that you can place a house at above the comic, below the comic, in the blog. Uh, the only place I would be against it is a, is the footer of, of the website, the very, very bottom, because very few people are going to scroll all the way to the bottom. But I, I, I kind of think you can't go wrong uh, as long as you're taking into account the overall design of that website and how it's presenting. I think you could make a number of decisions there and come out just perfectly fine. And I just want to say that even though I'm diametrically uh, uh, different from how Brad has designed his site, I see why Brad did what he did. Oh, yeah. In the sense that I think we're both trying to to dance this really delicate dance of entertaining, but also being able to make a living from entertaining. And that's yeah. a, it's, it's, I don't want to say that I have it right. And I don't want to say Brad has it right. Cause it's a tricky yeah. dance. It's, it's hard to do right. Um, and a little bit, we have to do a better job of training the internet that when artists are yeah. doing a little bit of promotion, it's, it's the reason and the, and the, and the wherewithal of how we get original content it's not like we're being advertised by McDonald's. It's different right. when it's when it's Brad Geiger advertising to me than when it's Nike. You know, it's a different kind of thing. So mm-hmm. um, and, and the reason I mentioned that is, uh, Brad, I was talking with you about this on the show, is that there's this there's a subculture on Reddit that will downvote when you link the source of the comic that you've just posted to Reddit. Right. Yeah. And I kind of want to tell that 19 to 21 year old, what are you doing? Like, I'm not, I'm not actively trying to push this in your face. I'm just saying like, this is the source of where this original comic came from that I'm sharing for free on Reddit. And so uh, I I just want to say that there's a, there's a tricky culture that you have to navigate as a cartoonist between entertaining for free and saying, Hey, if you enjoy the comic, get the book or join me on Patreon or, or try my Kickstarter or meet me at San Diego Comic-Con. I'm at booth 40, blah, 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 whatever it is. Right. And so it's a tricky line to have to do. And I think Brad actually had one of the best uh, ways to do it, which is balancing out the four C's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, (laughs) The four C's. Uh, Commercial, content, 
curation, and of course, the fourth C is always kindness. Right. And the idea being there that as long as the balance is right and the balance is going to feel different for you and for your readers, it's going to feel a little different all the time. But the idea being that if you're trying to balance it out between original content, curation of interesting and fun and uplifting and bettering things that you're finding on the Internet, uh, commercial. Hey, I've got a new book. Hey, I've got a Kickstarter. Hey, I've got a Patreon. Hey, I've got a Comic-Con appearance. And then the fourth being just kindness, just being fun and interesting and kind on the on the web. Between those four, if your website design kind of follows those same rules in a way, it'll it'll work out whether you follow Brad's method or my method, um, because you're 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 trying to to try to do it all at once. One thing I will say about that is no matter what you choose there, up, down, side, left, right. uh, I don't care what you choose. One thing you've got to do, and this goes back to banner blindness as always, as well, you've got to change it up. You've got to update those house yeah. ads at yeah. least once a month, if not more often. Really? You think once a month, huh? De- depending on how often you're posting, I'm trying to up those, uh, update those things. At, and mine has a slider, so it gives you different, you know, you see one and then it slides to the next and it slides to the next. Right. So I'm always adding a new one, subtracting one at the end so it doesn't get too bulky. Uh, But I'm always giving them new things up there because if you come back to a site a couple, two, three times and you see the same ad, you become blind to it. So I'm trying and, and not only that, what I find is every now and again, I'll hit a spot where I'm like, Oh, my Patreon really hasn't been that active. And I, yeah, I, 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 I haven't been coming out on the positive side of the churn quite so much. I'm not uh, replacing people who are, uh, for various reasons, are going. And then I'll go and look at that because I'm, I keep, you know, track of what I'm doing on a little whiteboard over there. And it's like, oh, yeah, dummy, you haven't been updating your ads. And as soon as I start updating those ads, especially on Tuesday and Thursday when I post a new comic, and I've got a new ad, all of a sudden I see action happening again. And I got to keep reminding myself to <laughs> update those ads. I got it on big, I've got it written right over there in blue marker. When you don't update the ads, you lose money. It's right there. So I see it every time I sit down. You at wrote my it Cintiq. that way? When you don't update the ads, you lose money? Yes. Because wow. I, I got, that's how I got to talk to myself or else I won't pay attention. I got to, I got to make it compelling. You're losing <gasps> money by not updating ads dummy so do it <laughs> sit down and take it doesn't take long just beep that poop and do it uh yeah i i, I it, it, so don't be like me don't put one ad up there and then expect it to, to do the same action that it's been doing for weeks and weeks you got to update update those an, an awful lot uh, at least at the very least once a month holy hell i'm amazed that we got this little glimpse into brad geiger self-talk If you don't update your ads, you will lose money. Like, what else is going on in here? Do you have to talk to yourself like, you eat that salad or you will die? You have got to eat that salad or you will die. It's it's all scare tactics, Dave. It's all scare (laughs) tactics. I don't I don't listen to nuance over here. You got to hit me upside the head with a two by four. Be nice to strangers on the street or you will be seen as the cantankerous old man. That I don't have a problem with that. I never had a problem Brad with self-talk. Oh, my God. Well, I got to tell you, while you were talking, I actually ended up texting myself update house ads because I was like, ugh, ugh, I really need to update my house yeah. ads. Ugh, it's awkward. Yeah, they become they become blind that you got to update those ads. I've become blind to them. Yeah, we do. Yeah, no, it's a it's a really good point. And so um, what I meant before is that when you're when I when you're trying to balance the four C's, that act alone, the act of trying to balance them is enough in the same way that whenever there's a concerned parent that's like, I'm worried that I'm not doing everything I can for my kid. I always try to tell a new parent, like, look, if you're the kind of parent that is worrying then you're doing it right. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're probably on the right path because you're yes. going to try to figure it out. You're going to figure it out and you're doing yes. it with love. The same kind of thing is true with website design and with like the four C's of social media. That mm-hmm. if you're, if you're trying to balance commercial content curation and kindness, then you're probably doing all right. And that's why I'm yeah. saying if you go with Brad's method or if you go with my method, if you're trying to balance it out in a healthy and fun way that makes it yeah. both entertaining for your readers 
And oh, by the way, entertaining ads. My God, we are literally cartoonists. We do not have to have boring state ads. You can oh, you can God. have them. This is a great time to include your characters. Make it fun. Make it energetic. Make it colorful. And uh, we can do things that that you know Morgan Stanley cannot do. Yes. I don't remember whether it was just recently. I just got done talking about this. Might have been a pro tips. It might have been on the show. But I but I said when you're when you're talking about your comic, don't tell us about how many comics you've got. Don't tell us about how often it updates. Tell us why it's good. And that should really on your whiteboard and blue marker. Uh, I'm listening. I'm talking to the person listening at home, not not you, Dave. But on, on, at home on your own mental whiteboard. Put some blue marker up there that says, tell us why it's good. That's what your house ad should be. It should be showing and telling and exemplifying what's good about this, right? Those other things, they'll figure out. They'll figure out your update schedule. Tell us why it's good. Show us how it's good. Yeah, but we need to turn this into a Brad Geiger self-talk phrase. So like, tell us why it's good or you'll get hemorrhoids. That's what we got to do. We need need a scare tactic. (laughs) We need to make you, it a Brad Geiger scare tactic. You don't want that to happen. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Tell us why it's good or you'll get terrible crow's feet. Like we, yeah. need, to, we need to make it yeah. a Brad Geiger uh, internal. Or take, t- that, take that national lampoon approach. Tell us why it's good or this dog gets it. <laughs> Do you remember that cover? <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, that's amazing. All right, Brad. So I've got a question coming in that I, I have literally never seen before. So uh, oh. I think this is a fun one. So this comes in from Patreon.com slash Comic Lab. And Mark Ashworth writes, hey, guys, I have a question about word balloons. Yeah. I've seen this idea brought over from Japanese and Korean comics. A speaking character is off panel. But they've already been established as being in the same room or the location. So previous panels, you've seen uh, Bobby McGibbons and now Bobby McGibbons is off panel. But their word balloon has a tail inverted and pointing inwards. Do you feel or think it is harder or equal to make it clear who is speaking than a word balloon with a tail pointing off panel? Uh, This is a really... I, first of all, I was not familiar with this uh, Japanese Korean uh, technique of using an inverted tail. Were you, f- first of all, can I ask you, were you familiar with it? Familiar, yes. Okay. <laughs> I know nope. that tone. All right. Nope. Do, I, do you familiar? like it as a technique? No, uh, I, I am agnostic on it as a technique. It is okay. a technique. Okay. And I, I'm, I was very familiar with it. I never use it because the question is not whether Dave is familiar with it or whether Brad is familiar with it. Because as cartoonists, we're probably going to be familiar with a lot of techniques, right? Uh, I have to ask myself, how much of my audience is familiar with it? Because there are very few cardinal rules of comics. One of them is the crossbar eye rule. Uh, The other one, in my opinion, is the number one objective when you're sitting down to do a comic is clear communication. That's why lettering is so important. That's why things like composition, uh, writing, uh, that's why we we, uh, torture ourselves over all those things, because we want to do clear communication. And I I could use that inverted word balloon because I know what it means. That's a moot point. The question is, how much of my audience is likely to know what that means? And if they don't, I'm losing them. Because I'm using this this thing that is is perfectly valid. It's a it's a perfectly valid way to do it. But if I'm using that and my audience doesn't get it, doesn't or or if a significant chunk of my audience is not understanding it, then I'm making a big mistake in clear communication. Yeah, it's a little bit of a version of um, when you're writing for a reading level. Um, it's somewhat similar to that in that. Sure, you you can write disambiguation as a word into a comic, but you're going to lose a percentage of your readers who will just not they they don't necessarily read above the sixth, seventh, eighth grade level was sort of the average. And so they don't necessarily know what that word is. And so you've lost them. And so the same is true with iconography is that um, there is nothing wrong and everything should be celebrated about the changing and updating and evolving iconography of comics across the four or five different markets in the world, the big ones, you know, the the Japanese Korean markets, the Belgian market, the French market, the U.S. market. Um, You know, I love when the iconography translates and makes its way over. Like we're slowly getting the manga sweat drop more and more in American comics 
or we, we don't yet have the bloody nose. We don't yet have like I'm trying to think of the the blank pupils have made their way over, which is fun. Sometimes the sound effect or it's handled like a sound effect, but it's actually an emotion that's floating above the head. That happens. Oh, the, a like lot. the ghost, the ghost emotion. Yeah, yep, sort of. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's a lot that American comics have lovingly taken in from manga. Uh, and and I think probably the vice versa is true, too. Like I know German comics took a lot from American comics after World War Two. Um, and so there's a lot of give and take, as there should be, and how wonderful that that's evolving. But like Brad said, sometimes you can get too far ahead of the curve and be yeah. like, yeah, I'm this thing that just hit the, the the Korean market in the last five years and no Americans are familiar with it mm-hmm. uh, or or a small percentage of them are familiar with it. It's, it's not a bad thing to want to incorporate it in. I just think, like Brad said, you're you might be jumping the gun on on um, cultural accessibility and how much the average English speaking a uh, cartoon reader might be familiar with the iconography of manhwa or manga or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And as just as uh, somebody who's got a real passion for word balloons, I'm not I, I'm not seeing myself as likely to do that anytime soon, just because that that inverted tail poking into the word balloon is going to mess up my ability to keep a nice uh, standard border inside the word balloon itself. Like it's it's poking into that border area and it's going to screw up everything I'm trying to do there. So I'm not hot on it to begin with. Uh, But again, the question, as always, is going to come down to what's my audience going to understand. Now, let's go back to that question, because there's one thing I want to talk about there. The the question was presented as do you see this as harder or equal to make it clear who's speaking? Well, I want to I want to. Pump the brakes on that a little bit. This is not a binary thing, harder or equal. The, uh, the, the, the real truth here is that there are a lot of ways to solve that problem. It's not about harder mm-hmm. or equal. Uh, it, it, here's the thing. This is not binary. There's lots of solutions to this. Yeah, what you've yeah got there are. Is you've got two, let's, say, let's say you've got two people talking, uh, a lady in waiting and a princess. Right. The lady in waiting is getting helping the princess choose out her gown for the big ball, right. uh, for right. the big uh, celebration. Right. And in the first panel, you've got the lady in waiting and the princess. They're talking about a second panel. It focuses on the princess, but the lady in waiting is still talking. Right. So how do you handle that? Well, one of them could be the inverted word balloon tail. But let's talk about other ways to do that. Right. You can have uh, once you, you number one, number one, and it's always on the table. You just draw the speaker in the scene unless there's a real you could you could have that same effect where you're focusing on the princess. But you do a real close up on the princess and you've got the lady in waiting in the background. Well, yeah, way well, in yep, the background. Yep. I just drew that this morning. Yep. There's solution number one. Solution number two, establish the speaker's place in the scene and trail the word balloon through the panel border toward where they would have been in that next uh, panel. Yeah. And you know what? You see that a lot in Chris Claremont comics. He would write it that way a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So you trail it. And and I like to poke that word balloon tail right through the panel. Like there's there's like a, a, a gap there in the line that constitutes that panel border. Uh, that says, yeah, it's going right through the person's over there someplace off panel. There's solution number two. Here's solution number three. And I do this a lot. You can insert the speaker's head right next to the balloon or the narrate. I use it for narration boxes on a nine-weekly basis, right? Oh, you're saying sort of 1950s uh, uh, sort of advertising model of like floating head talking. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. OK, I, I, I do that. I, I inset that into a narration box and put quotes to, to make it clear that this is what that mm-hmm, person mm-hmm, is saying. Mm-hmm. I've also seen that done a lot in manga where the head is floating and overlapping the word balloon itself. So it's like this character is saying these words. Perfectly good solution. Clear communication. There's solution number three. And of course, solution number four, and here's another one I love doing. Go back to that uh, original uh, two-panel structure that I told you about. You've got two characters, one, one character, and the other one. Uh, You could float a small, and I always do this with a circular uh, panel. You could float a third panel in between those two 
and focus on the lady in waiting. So she gets yeah, her you do dialogue that very well, there. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I, I like what it does to a page. I like, I, I, and, and by the way, when you're slicing it up for social media, as long as you're doing a little bit of planning, you can care, you can carry that off very easily. Uh, you can go back in discord. I actually uh, uh, did a step-by-step where I did diagrams on how to do that in the comic lab discord server. Uh, you'll have to search it out because I have no idea where it is at this point, but you can add a small panel that just serves to carry that lady in waiting's dialogue and you get the same effect, right? There's four solutions along with that inverted word balloon. Here's my point. You've got a lot of tools at your, uh, at the ready as a cartoonist, you have lots of things that you can do. Don't get it. it don't get too wound up in, uh, in trying to find uh, this, this solution that may not be good communication when you've got so many other solutions that are. Yeah. And uh, honestly, the best fallback that Brad said is just working them into the panel some way, shape or form, mm-hmm. either by uh, a lot of foreshortening for, uh, uh, you know, and, and that kind of thing with camera angles. Uh, but I want to talk about, let's say there's a a situation where you absolutely, absolutely have to have someone off screen. Right. And I think your three main options most commonly seen are going to be the tail of the word balloon pointing off panel, right. Mm -hmm. Or either puncturing through the panel, puncturing past the panel, depending on how you want to phrase it. Um, another one would be, uh, the inverted tail, like you're seeing more and more in Japanese and Korean comics. Another version would be the tailless balloon that floats, implying that there is a character speaking in the room, but you're only by good writing does it really make clear who it is speaking. Like, well, Joan, now you know it's not Joan speaking. Um, uh, uh, so it, the writing itself implies who it is. Anyway, between those three options, let's just talk about this from 30,000 feet, what we're trying to do in comics, right? Yeah. A word balloon is trying to make the impossible possible, where you're seeing the text of what people are saying, and it's floating above and around them. That's bonkers, right? The very yeah. fact that we have established that as a way of communication is bonkers when you stop and think about it, but it works. A hundred years of doing it this way, actually more than that, because Hogarth and Gilray had it in the or, or mid 1700s mm-hmm. um, that it's bonkers that that is a way of communicating. This is two humans talking in a moment, right? So now that we've established that this circle holding these words with this tail on it, pointing to a head is yeah. indicating what that character is saying. We've established that over a couple hundred years of comics, right? Now we're saying, okay, now the character has gone. How do we point to that character? How do we let yeah. you know? So what I want to say just from 30,000 feet up is that's hard. That's a hard (laughs) iconographic leap to make. Like now we're trying to point to this non-existent word balloon that does not exist in physical space is now pointing to a character that doesn't exist in physical space in this moment, in that comic, in that panel. Mm -hmm. So I want to say that all of these are imperfect and that's why you have to fall back to what Brad is saying is it all depends on what your artist or what your audience can understand. So for those of us writing in the English tradition, the most common one that people will understand is after 50, 60, 100 years of people using the off panel tail, that mm-hmm. is probably your most likely use that you could you could employ here. Um, if you're writing a younger manga themed type comic that clearly 20 something, 30 somethings are going to be reading, having grown up reading, the you know, uh, uh, One Piece and My Hero Academia and all this sort of stuff, they might have a better uh, grasp of an inverted tale than a 60 or 70 year old would. Mm-hmm. But what I'm getting at is they're all weird when you stop when you really stop and think about it. They're all weird <laughs> and they all require a certain familiarity with the weird iconography of comics. So, again, it comes back to what Brad is saying. What will your audience understand? Yeah. Real quick question. Have you ever used the tailless word balloon? Yes. Yes, I have. Really? In fact, not that long ago, I used a tailless word balloon because I had a comic that the scene was about 20 panels deep at this point. And it was well established that it was just two characters, uh-huh, right? There was uh-huh. no one else and no one could else would, would walk yeah. into the scene. Yeah. Right. Uh, and only then did I have a floating balloon that um, very clearly by the way I wrote it yeah. had no tail on it. And it, mm-hmm. and it worked, I think, but I'll be honest, didn't work perfect. Didn't work yeah. perfect. Wasn't the greatest solution uh, because again, they're all weird. It's always yeah. weird to have a, a character off screen with this balloon floating in. 
And so if you really want to nail it with your readers, find a way to work the character back in, as Brad was saying. And there's uh, Brad gave six or seven great ways to do that, even with a panel insert like Brad last. I, and by the way, I don't know that I've ever done a panel insert into a panel. You do that fairly frequently and you do it well. Any advice for that? Uh, well, what I try to do is uh, if I draw, like, again, it works really well with a circle uh, for various design reasons. But what I do is I'll, I'll, I put that circle, uh, that circular panel inside of a square or, or inside of a box, right? Yeah. So picture a circle that's inside of a box. Everything inside of that box has to be unimportant. It's, it's, it's real estate from the, from the adjoining panels. When you post that on social media, it's going to get cropped out. So anything that lands inside that box has to be cuttable. <laughs> okay. That's how you can set this up so that you can do all that and still have uh, good social media because where you're slicing that up. That's the trick is to not put anything important inside that box. That's interesting because that's sort of the digital webcomic version of the, San the Sunday comic throwaway panel from the 70s, 80s, 90s. A little bit. And for those that are not familiar with, the, the syndicates used to require an extra panel because some newspapers would require X space. Some newspapers would require X plus one space. And so you had to have this panel that literally could be thrown away and things would still make sense in your Sunday right. funnies. And this is the first time I've seen someone designing a webcomic that had a throw awayable chunk, right? Right. As long as you say chunk there, because it's not a whole panel. It's, it's just a little bit of that interior. Right, it's not a panel, but I'm just saying it's information. It's data that you're yeah. going to throw away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the whole idea is there is you keep that clear because you're going to end up cutting it. Uh, but I, 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 that it, I, I was, I'm very surprised to hear you use the tailless word balloon. I've, I always, my, it, there's such a high degree of risk for that. And I know this makes me sound like a curmudgeon because I see it happening on webtoons all the time. The tailless web balloon or the tailless word balloon. Uh, and, but I, I have a real risk averse, uh, reaction to that. I, I, I would find it very difficult to do it, but that situation you just got done talking about where you're 20 panels in and you very clearly established that they're the only two people and, and no one else is going to be walking into the room anytime soon. I kind of get it, but I, I, I'm telling you, I, 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 that's one that I, that would makes me very, very nervous in any other situation. Well, you know what, let's talk about this because uh, I used it. I, again, I said, I don't know that it worked perfectly yeah. I did everything I could with my writing, having the heavy lifting of reinforcing who was talking. Right. But mm. here's the thing. We've seen cartoon artists and comic artists use the tailless word balloon tricking you so that you think it's one of the two people. But now it's yeah. a third person walking into the scene. You're like, oh, oh, no, it's yeah. Professor X. He's here as well. That's right. Magneto, you know, that kind of thing. You're like, you thought that the word balloon was from, you know, uh, Wolverine. No, it was Professor X entering the scene. And you're like, ah, shit, they got me with the tailless word balloon. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> what I'm saying is, what I'm or saying is, even that's an improvement. Claremont, oh, you damn me. you, Chris Claremont, your tailless word balloons. <laughs> anyway, what I'm saying is, uh, uh, all of, because it's an imperfect tool, sometimes cartoonists and comic book creators will use it mm -hmm. to trick you because right. it is an imperfect tool. You know, yeah. you'll make assumptions about who it is. Uh, and uh, all of this to say is comics are an interesting and, and tricky art. The iconography is weird when you really stop to think about it. What we yeah. have established over, let's say, the last hundred years of how to present this information of characters moving through a space in sequentially paneled time. And here are the words that associate with them. You know, like that's all yeah. of that is weird when you stop to think about it. Like, I guess what I'm saying is present this to an alien. What the hell do they make of this? You know, right, they're like, what, right. do, what am I looking at here? <laughs> yeah, they have, they have no frame of reference. Uh, and right. Whereas we, after hundreds of years of comics, we have a frame of reference. Hell, I'll, I'd even go one step further, Dave. I'd say after just a few short years of podcasting that our listeners have a frame of reference that they know when we get to about the one hour mark, it's time for Brad Geiger to say you've been listening to Comic Lab, the show about making comics and making a living from comics. 
Butter smooth as always with the transitions, my friend. Butter smooth as always. Your hosts have been my friend Brad Geiger, the editor of webcomics.com, the creator of Evil Inc. at evil-comic.com, and most importantly, my friend. Ah, yes, and my good close personal friend Dave Kellett, the co-director of the comics documentary Stripped, and the cartoonist of Sheldon at sheldoncomics.com, and Drive at drivecomic.com. The Comic Lab theme song is used with permission from Andy Creighton at theworldrecord.net. And this episode was edited by Matt Woodard of Woodsong Productions over at www.woodsong.media. If you love Comic Lab, you can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. And you may hear your review featured on a future episode. And I got to tell you, this is I'm just going to be very human about this. So Spotify, we were doing gangbusters. Everybody's been giving us five stars. I love it. Love it yes. so much. Appreciate it so much. Somebody at some point gave no. us a three or a four star <gasps> review. So now we're at 4.9. It oh. is killing me. It's killing me in a way that is so petty and human. Oh. I'm just admitting it. So please, if you haven't gone and given us a quick five star review for your yeah. old pal, Dave yeah. Kellett, for whom this 4.9 is killing him, please give us a five star <laughs> review. <laughs> yeah, they did. you gotta you gotta offset the effect of that guy. <laughs> and I will say, Comic Lab is made possible by your support at Patreon.com/slash/ComicLab. So go ahead and say that twice: Patreon.com/slash/ComicLab. Brad, I think, can we use the Brad Geiger technique to get people to give us five stars over on Spotify? I want like something, you know, like if you don't eat the salad, you're going to die. What could Brad Geiger say that could that could help us out here? You got you got Ollie nearby. My dog Ollie. Yeah. Five stars on Spotify or this dog gets it. Oh God! No, no, no. rescinded, no. unsubscribe. One eight hundred. No, thank you. I do not. Do you want, want to do good on Spotify or not? <laughs> Give us five stars, please. 